Amen. You ready to get in the Word? Yes, you know, as uh, Rick talked about during his, his tithes and offerings, that this year, 2017, it's the year that the faithful shall flourish, and it shall be like days of heaven on earth. Amen. Amen. What an awesome message Dr. Savell delivered to us last week. And, and there was something that, that he said that stuck with me. And he was dealing with, with about being you know, patient and enduring these things. But in Romans chapter 12, you don't need to turn there. I'm just bringing this out because it definitely ties into where we're going this morning. Uh, but he brought out this scripture. It says, don't be slothful in business, but be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Well, that word business there doesn't mean your job. It doesn't mean my thing. Now, it can, it can deal with that. But ultimately, it's, it's, it's the things that you should be pursuing. It's the things that you should be diligent about. So when it says don't be slothful in business, he is saying don't be slothful or lazy when it comes to the things that you should be doing. He says don't be, be, don't be slothful in business. So, so don't be slothful or lazy in the things that you should actually be diligent in, but be fervent in spirit. Th- these aren't two separate things. He's saying, he's saying be, he said don't be slothful in the things you should be diligent about, and at the same time be fervent in spirit. Meaning fervent there is red hot boiling point. Meaning, meaning, meaning on the inside of you, you have a passion for God that, that, and serving the Lord. So don't be slothful. Because you should be diligent about serving God. Instead, be passionate about serving God. Amen? Because he was talking about that consistency and, and the faithful shall flourish. Amen? Amen? Amen. I bet you, but I'm, I'm, I'm determined to be faithful. How about you? Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks back, I, I started a series called Your Position. And we ended up talking about your position in the secret place. Say that with me. Your position, or say my position, my position. in the secret place. You know, I've learned in, over, over my 20-some, 25, 26 years of serving God, you know, that, that if I'm overcome by something, overcome and overwhelmed by fear, um, anger, uh, torment, in any capacity, it's, it's because of three things. It's I'm out of position, I'm focusing on the wrong thing, or I've let go of my key component of victory, which is what? Is the key component of our victory is our faith. It's our trust in him. And, and so we talked about your position and this position in the secret place. Now, I don't have time to go back and review everything. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 91. Say, thank God for the word. <clears throat> and I'm going to be sharing some things that just the Lord has been ministering to me over the last couple of weeks. And as I told you when I finished out, this whole aspect of your secret place is about a life of prayer. A life of prayer. But I, I want to continue to lay this foundation and the importance. Man, I'm so excited this morning. Look, look at my Bible. Look at that, Rig. You, know, you, you got to see the before picture. So you remember when I had gaff tape on my Bible? Well, praise the Lord. Someone heard from God and said, for Christmas, we want, we want to get your, your, your Bible rebound. So I'm going to thank you, you guys, Trish and your husband. Thank you all for getting my Bible rebound. She gave it to me this morning, so... Amen. Nothing like your Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm excited. First time I get to preach with my new cover. It's not falling apart and chapters aren't falling out. You know, you're like, man, I thought this was a prosperity church and he preaches with the Bible that's falling apart. That's... Amen. Well, good thing my life isn't falling apart, right? Hallelujah. Here in Psalms 91, he says, he that dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. 
You know, we talked about this a couple weeks back. He who dwells in the secret place. What does that mean? Because, because I don't want to leave you with something that's so super spiritual you don't understand what God is speaking to us and what the Lord's speaking to me. I don't want to, I want this, every one of us to be able to relate to what the Holy Spirit's ministering to our church body right now so we can be proficient in our walk with God. And he says, he who dwells in the secret place, he who lives in the secret place, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we, we define this scripture, he who lives in the secret place shall sit down and remain in the presence of he who can do the impossible. And that's really what this is saying. He who sits down and remains in the secret place. You see, the key to success to every man or woman of God throughout scripture came down to understanding who their source was. They understand where their strength came from. You know, if, if you're needing direction in life, it, you have to go to the secret place. If you need wisdom, you need to go to the secret place. If you're looking for comfort, you need to go to the secret place. If, if you don't know where to turn, you need to go to the secret place. If you're hurting inside, you need to be able to go to the secret place. I, I, thinking about this, I, I think of uh, the psalmist David. In Psalms 27, verse, uh, verse 3 and 4, really, really the first four verses, but he talks about this. He says, when the enemy came against me, he said to eat up my flesh, but it really means the enemy came against me pretty much just to destroy me through persecution. And then it said, though a host encamp around about me, or though 10,000 people are surrounding me, it says, I shall not fear. Then he says, the war rises against me. In this, I'll be confident. In this, I'll be confident. One thing, say one thing. thing. See, when all these things are surrounding him, David has the audacity to say one thing. See, most of the time we think it's, it's, it's so many steps to get the result. And I'm not against different natural steps because natural steps for, for, for in the natural way, there, there's ways and means that God can bring deliverance for those. But understanding that it all comes back to whether it's an AA program or NA, it still comes back to their number one thing is about that God is your source and you can't do life on your own. Right? And so, so here he's saying, he goes, this one thing am I confident? One thing. Say it again, one thing. And he goes, that will I seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. See, he's saying, when, when when all the world is coming against me, when I'm overwhelmed by pressures, when I don't know how to do life, when I don't know how a way out of the situation I'm in, what does David say? One thing. Where does he go? He goes to his house. The house is no different from the secret place. We're going to see scriptures like the, his courts. That's the secret place. It's, it's still coming back to that, that one thing, and it's in God's presence. Yeah I, yeah, I might not understand everything you've been through or everything you're going through, but you also, you might not know everything that I've gone through and, and, and everything that I may go through in the future, but it still doesn't take away the fact that when I'm going through something I don't understand or something that is difficult in my life, it doesn't change the place where I go. The secret place. The secret place. Throughout, throughout the Psalms in the Old Testament, we see this. You know, I think of even in, in James chapter 4, he says, he goes, if you draw near to God, he'll do what? Draw near to you. So if you draw near to the secret place. Amen. Psalms 73. 
verse 28, I believe it is, he says, it is a good thing. Say that with me. It's a good thing. thing. Say it again. It's a good thing. thing. He said, it's a good thing. thing. You don't have to repeat me anymore. (laughs) It's a good thing to draw near to the Lord. It's a good thing to draw near to the Lord. The word good there means beneficial. It means excellent. It means the right thing. It's it's the right thing to draw near to the Lord. It's the good thing to draw near to the Lord. It's an excellent thing to draw near to the Lord. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 65. Psalm 65. Verse 4, I'm going to read the Amplified. It says, blessed is the man whom you choose and cause to come near. Blessed is the man whom you choose to call near. Blessed is the man whom you choose to draw near. So here, empowered is the man, come here for a second. Blessed is the man whom you choose to come near. This is God speaking to man and said, blessed is the man whom you choose to come near. See, God has chosen us to be in this place. He's chosen us for this place. And then it goes on and says that we shall be satisfied with the goodness of his house. Thank you, Rick. We should be satisfied. The word satisfied there, we should be fulfilled with the goodness of his house. Say that with me, satisfied Satisfied. with the goodness goodness of his house. house. Wow. This is a place he's chosen for you and I to to be in. This this place isn't a place just for for the minister. This this place isn't a place for for just the person that's been serving God. No, it's for every person on the face of the earth. There's a place designed for every single person. Whether they realize it or not, there's a place for them. The person that's out there doesn't even know God exists. There's still a place for them. When David said, there's one thing that I desire, he's saying there's a place, there's a place that I go and there's a position that I rest in. And it's in his presence. It's in the secret place. Man, now think about all this is is under an old covenant. How much more under a new covenant established upon better promises. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 6 says, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And hath raised us up. Verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Now let's go to verse, let's go to verse, let's see, 13. He says, But now in Christ... You who sometimes were far off were made nigh or made near by the blood of Jesus. See, if God chose man to draw near to him in the Old Testament, how much more in a new covenant? 
And here it says, I have chosen, he says, it says that in you, that you've been made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, I've given you a right to rest in the secret place. Let's go to look at verse 18. It says, for through him, we both. Now, now it's talking about, and when it says both there, he's talking about Jew and Gentile. He said, now we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. We both, Jew and Gentile, meaning it's, it's not about your race, it's not about, it's not about your financial status, it's not about where you came from, it's not about what nation you were born in. We both have access unto the Father. You need to understand that because of Jesus, you have access to the Father. Go to Colossians 3. I'm just laying a foundation here. This whole, the whole morning is going to be about a foundation Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, if you then be risen with Christ, all right, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Then this scripture is talking to you. It's not about someday when you get to heaven, right? Because why he says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things above. It was talking about heaven, then why would he say, seek those things that are above, Right? If you then be, if you be born again, if you be a new creation, seek those things that are above and not the things on the earth. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits, where Christ sits. Seek those things where Christ sits, where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, where we've been seated. Seek those things that are above where Christ is seated. Say, say the secret place. The word seek here means to inquire, not I-N, but E-N, and it means to ask. Ask those things that are above. The word also means require, which talks about need, where you need those things that are above. Another word for seek is crave, where you crave those things that are above. Meditate upon, meditate on those things that are above. Think on those things that are above. So if I'm risen with Christ, then what happens? I'm to be inquiring, I'm to be needing, I'm to be thinking about those things that are above. So when I'm going through the darkest times of my life, you know what? It doesn't change the fact that, you know what? I need to seek those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. So I wanted to lay this part of the foundation this morning so you understand the secret place. That is not some super spiritual place that you, that you can't get to if you're not good enough. That, you, that if, you don't, if you don't know all the steps and you don't know all the processes. Because bottom line is, is you need to understand this before you ever understand prayer. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah chapter 56. Verse 5 in the Amplified, it says, To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better and more enduring than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Also, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him. See, now, he, here he's saying about this house. He's, he's saying, I will give them my house. 
Meaning I'm going to give them a place and this place has to do with his presence. And it's talking about my sons and my daughters. See here he's talking about, at this point he's talking about the Jewish nation. He's talking about the Israelites. But then he says, and to the foreigners. Now he's talking about me. Also, the foreigners now who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him. Are you born again this morning? That means he has gathered you. You've joined yourself to the Lord to do what? To minister to him. And to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath so as to not profane it. Verse 7, Ellis says, all these, the sons and the daughters and the foreigners, all these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifice will be acceptable on my altar. Meaning he accepts your worship. Hallelujah. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And Father, I thank you for showing us this place and the importance and the power that you've given us to become a house of prayer. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now think about that. He said, I'm going to bring them to my holy mountain. You've you got to understand, I, really this morning, I really want you to get a hold of not just a bunch of information, but it's more about getting a hold of the heart of God. Amen. There's something important when you, you see this phrase, the holy mountain. You see, see before, you've got to understand something. When this, this word holy mountain, you've got to realize the holy mountain is referring to a place called Mount Sinai or Mount Moriah in Abraham's day. And that was a place where Abraham took Isaac up. And then where, where God provided the ram for Abraham to sacrifice. That's talking about the holy mountain. This is also the same mountain that when Moses was in the wilderness and he turned aside and he saw the burning bush and he turned aside and the bush spoke to him about delivering God's people. But what did he tell Moses about delivering his people? See, most people think about delivering the people was to take him to a promised land. That, 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 was, that was the end result. He wanted to take them somewhere first. If you look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I want you to take them out of bondage and I want you to bring them to the wilderness to worship me. You see, the picture, the, the, the picture that Moses gives us, a picture that the Israelites coming out of Egypt is a picture of you and I being born again. And the point, the, the reason that we're born again is not to go to heaven. The reason to be born again is to come out so we can worship God. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. And so the whole point to come out from the rest of the world was to be to the place where we would have a Savior. We'd have one true living God. So when he's talking about the holy mountain, he was saying, Moses, I want you to bring them out to the holy mountain so they can meet me like you met me. He, he, even, told, he even told Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 7 and Exodus chapter 8, he said, when he said, what did he say? Let my people go. He didn't say, let my people go to take me to the promised land. He said, let my people go so we can go to the wilderness and serve God. So you have to understand this whole thing, this relationship that we have with God in the secret place is all about a plan that God had from the very beginning. And it has everything to do with a relationship with him. In this holy mountain. And he said, make my house a house of prayer. Make my house a house of prayer. You know, this aspect of prayer. You know, when I was younger, growing up in church and not really having my own relationship with God. 
If you asked me what prayer was, I'd be like, that is the most boring thing in the world. Even after I got born again, I mean, hey, a minute, I'm done. You know, my, my aspect of praying was, God is great, God is good, let him thank us for his food. You know, this was my whole understanding of prayer. Just everyone close your eyes for a moment. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to say a word, and I want you to get the image that pops into your head when I say this word. Prayer. Open your eyes. What, what did you see? Okay. What did you see? Mm-hmm. You see, everyone's going to see something different based on our past experiences. And you're going to judge prayer based on what religions taught you. Or you're going to base prayer on, on what another denomination has taught you. Some people might refer to prayer and, it's, and it has to do with someone counting beads. You're going to have different aspects of prayer. You know, my aspect of when I saw prayer was, was on my knees, you know, on my knees and, you know, praying. You know, in, in the natural, you know, my aspect of, of prayer was really, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. And the reason why, as a, as, a, as a believer for a lot of years, I didn't pray is because I didn't know how. You know, and I have to be honest, in, in my 20-some years of serving God, you know, there's been times in my life where I haven't been the person that prayed like I should. You know, we, we, we have to understand this thing of prayer is an avenue and a vehicle that God has given us as a key to bring change in the earth. You understand, prayer is the key. You know, but, but I've understood this in my own life that a prayerless life is a powerless life. A prayerless life is a purposeless life. A prayerless life is an unchanged life. And a prayerless life is a defeated life. But you know what? I didn't pray because I didn't know how to. And I was scared of it. And I didn't know if I was doing it right. And, 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 and it, was just, it was just this religious thing that I did. And there was no life in it. Can anyone relate to me? Am I the only one? <laughs> only five of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> we'll have an altar call for liars later. <laughs> because all of us have been there. Because, because when you got born again and you accepted Jesus, there's not some sort of handbook that, that gives you all the ins and outs of prayer. We have the Bible, but, but most of the time when we first get saved, we don't understand it. And, and for me, I didn't understand the foundation had everything to do with my connection with God, not the words coming out of my mouth. See, too many people think of prayer is what's coming out of their mouth. But it's a byproduct of the relationship that you have with heaven. Okay? And I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going we're gonna to discover, this is just a foundation, all right? Because your position has everything to do with your success. And we're called to be in the secret place. And this secret place is all about a life of prayer. Amen? Hallelujah. Sometimes looking at what prayer, finding out what prayer is, it's, sometimes it's also good to look at what it's not. Okay? Prayer isn't begging God. It's not begging God. Prayer is not counting beads or praying to an image of Jesus. And I, I know some of you will be like, well, what's wrong with that? Well, one, there's no scripture for it. Well, it's wrong to pray to a picture of Jesus? Let me put it this way. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, Jesus, I mean, God shows up and is, and is talking to Moses. And he tells him, he says, he goes, you saw 
you heard my voice, but you didn't see my similitude. Meaning, you heard my voice, but you didn't see my picture, my image. Later on, he says, he says I did that for the fact that you wouldn't worship a statue or an image. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he says, you shall have no other gods before you. And he goes, don't put any image in front of you. Any image. Any, Im, any image. And so you have to understand, it's, it, prayer is not these different things that man has made it out to be. Prayer is not a five-fold ministry gift. It's not an office in the church. Well, I thought they're intercessors. Yeah, they are intercessors, but we're all to be intercessors. All Christians, all Christians are called and commissioned to this life of prayer. It's not, prayer isn't something set aside for certain denominations or certain conferences. Prayer is the lifeline of the believer. Now, there's a lot of different aspects of prayer, and I'm not going to have time to go in all those this morning. We're going to cover those as, as the Lord directs, all right? This, this morning, is just about a foundation, because, because if we start talking about all these other things about prayer, you're going to get into making prayer a religious law. You're going to get into prayer being some sort of ritual thing and having all these steps to do it. And like I said, there's different things. Like Kenneth Hagin says, you know, there's a, you have prayer of agreement. You have the prayer of supplication. You have worship is considered prayer. You have a lot of different aspects. And we'll, we'll get in and cover those things. But the thing is, you need to understand God's heart as it pertains to prayer. Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. So what is prayer? Now, if we look at the word prayer in, in the Greek, it's a word, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but prosuke. And it's two Greek words. And the first part, part of that word is a word P-R-O-S. And so this word pros or pros means to come by the side of. It means to approach or come near. It means to go before. It means to turn towards a certain direction. So just with the root word of the word prayer, the whole thing is about coming near. The whole thing is about coming beside. The whole thing is about turning towards a certain direction. It's all about going before. So what is prayer? As we just look at the root word for, for prayer in the Greek, we see it's all about communion with God. It's not talking to God, it's talking with God. It's not talking to God, it's talking with God. It is communion with God. Realizing prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. It's not me yelling at him for 35 minutes and just saying, okay, amen, goodbye. That's not prayer. The very aspect of even the Greek word prayer has to do with relationship. It has to do with fellowship. It's about keeping communication lines open. It's about intimate conversation. It's the act of sharing one's heart. It's the act of sharing one's heart. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in a parable in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. He says, two men went up to pray. And he said, one was a Pharisee. And he said, the Pharisee said he prayed thus and with himself. He prayed with himself. You see, conversation with yourself, you know, you're going to go to the hospital if too many people see you having conversations with yourself. And, and Jesus thought the same thing. He was like, he's praying, but he's not talking to God. 
He's having a form of godliness, but he's denying the power thereof. Because he went on and said, he, the Pharisees goes, thank God I'm not like him. He goes, I fast twice a day, I, I tithe, and I do all these different things. But he said, the other man, it said he fell down on his knees and he lifted up his head to God and said, forgive me. I repent. Why, he, he, was, he was speaking to God. The other one wasn't. So prayer is all about intimate conversation. It's the act of sharing your heart. It's the act of sharing your heart. It's fellowship. And you can't have fellowship on your own. It's about companionship. It's partnership. And this is, it's about joint interests. It's about joint interests. Let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Your position in the secret place. And this is a place of prayer. And it's a place for you. I want you to leave here this morning with a passion and a desire to pray. But if you look at prayer as a religious duty and realize it's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, it says, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. And he overthrew the tables and the money changers and seats of them that sold doves. And said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So Jesus is just prophesying what I already read to you in Isaiah 56. He's saying, My house should be called a house of prayer, right? And he said in Isaiah, for all people. He said, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now, when Jesus walked into the temple, he didn't kick over tables and said, you're not kneeling right. You're not folding your hands right. You're not talking right. You're not praising right. You're not worshiping right. You're not doing these things. You've got to get these things right because God wants this to be a house of prayer. And right now, you're just not doing the right formula. You don't have your hands folded right. You're not bowed just in the right. You're not facing, not facing the east. So you're not really, really connecting with God, guys. No, that wasn't the case. He was kicking over things because they were selling things and they were selling doves, which really in the natural, in that time, wasn't really a wrong thing because Jesus hadn't gone yet. And part of their, their things were bringing sacrifices. So the doves that he was knocking over were just places where people would go purchase their sacrifices to worship God. So really, in the natural, necessarily wasn't the wrong thing. What the issue was is they lost their awareness of God. See, Jesus came to knock over the tables because they had lost their awareness of God's presence. Because a place that was supposed to be filled with God's presence was now just filled with man's way of doing things. That's why he was kicking the tables over because they, they were no longer aware. And that's why Jesus said, you've made, you've made this house a den of thieves and it should be a house of prayer. It should be a house where God's presence is. It should be a house where, where God is moving. It should be a house where God is ministering to people, but you made it a place. It should be a place where, where, where people are flourishing. It should be a place where people are growing, but you've made it a place where things are being taken from them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts laying hands on people and healing people. 
And the Pharisees kind of celebrated him for a moment. And all of a sudden, the young people came to him and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they rebuked the kids and said, don't you hear them? And Jesus said, out of the mouth of babes, you perfected praise. So what happened? They, the, the young people understood this place was about him. This place was about him and awareness of who God is. See, your, your understanding of prayer has to be it aware, aware that you have a right to be there, aware that God loves you, aware that his presence is there, and he wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to have a conversation with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Go to, go to Genesis chapter 2. Don't have too much, too much longer to go. Genesis chapter 2. And I want to show you what I believe in Scripture is the first acts of prayer. Remember, you had to first understand that prayer is about coming near. It's about joint interests. It's about communion. It's about fellowship. It's about God and man doing something together. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, I was sharing some of these things in our staff this week and, 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 and covering some other things about this, this heart, my heart overflowing with this, this relationship with God and the importance of this relationship. And, and Tessa, who's over our media, she, she, says, she said, man, I can, I can see that, that when God made man, it was his prayer. It was God's act of communing with man. When God formed the dust of the ground and stood him up and breathed into his nostrils, he became a speaking spirit. Meaning God was communing with the dust of the ground and made that dust what it couldn't be in its own ability. You've got to understand that you can't do things in your own ability, but with God you can do all things. All things are possible to him. All things are possible, right? I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? So here this act that this dust became something it couldn't be in its own ability, in its own way. But yet when God mixed with it, it was able to become something that never before existed. A human. And if you see, if you read this on, it says, it says that God made man out of the dust of the ground and it said he put him in a garden. Let's go to verse 15. And the Lord God and took the man and put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day that you eat you shall surely die. What's going on here? There's a conversation. It's a conversation. God is communicating to him what he needs to do and what he doesn't need to do, right? It's conversation. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that you should be alone. I will make him a helper. God is communicating. He's having a conversation with him. And we don't know how long this time is between when God made Adam and this time that he realized that he's alone. I, I really believe through some other scriptures I could pull out is that God, want, man needed a relationship like God needed a relationship. 
God wanted to have relationship, and, and that wanted to have a relationship with him based on his will, not because he had to. God wanted relationship with, with humanity because, see, the angels had to hearken to his words. Everything that was in creation that he had created had to do it based on response because they had to. But yet man is an old, a whole other thing, meaning he gets to choose his relationship with God. He gets to choose to love God. He gets to choose to have a relationship with God. So prayer is your ability to choose to cultivate the relationship that God always wanted to have with man in the beginning. Are you with, him, with me this morning? I know it's a little deep. I know it's a little deep this morning, but, but, it, but yet at the same time, it's foundational to understand this is what we've been, you've been created for conversations with God. So God has such an intimate relationship with Adam, he realizes, I want you to have what I have with you. And so what does God do? He starts making certain things, and it says, and it says he brings them before Adam to see what he would call them. Not what God would call them, to see what Adam would call them. Now we see Adam and God working together. See, I really want you to get a hold of that this morning, that prayer is you and God working together, having conversations. Hallelujah. Having conversations. It's, it's like, yeah, and that is a partnership. Hallelujah. Prayer is more about your position with God than it is about the words coming out of your mouth. We see ordinary men became extraordinary, not based on great prayers. I see ordinary men praying extraordinary prayers because of their extraordinary relationship with God. Let me say that again. I see extraordinary people praying extraordinary prayers because they had an extraordinary relationship with God. It's not about all the things that you're rattling out of your mouth. It's about that relationship with him. It's about coming close to him. Hallelujah. You are quiet this morning. You're just listening, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Men did extraordinary things throughout scripture. We see Enoch had this lifestyle of walking with God. We see Noah had this lifestyle of walking with God. We see Abraham. It said that, that he, he was God's friend. And we see Moses in Exodus 33, it says that Moses would talk to God as a man would talk face to face. That, that Moses talked face to face to God like a man w- would with another man. See, it, it's all about prayer. And I, I think of this and, and there's a lot of things where I never really saw as prayer before, but it was prayer. I think about Moses when, when he was on the mountainside and he knows he's called to something great. He knew he was called to be a deliverer of, of, of God's people. He just didn't know how to go about it. But when he saw the burning bush, what happened? It said he turned aside. What is that, that little root word for prayer? Pros, turn aside. It said when he turned aside, then the bush spoke. See, it's not until you turn aside for that conversation that God will speak with you. It's about making that point, God, I'm giving you my attention. I think of Moses, the same one that spoke to God face to face. It said that in Numbers chapter 20, it said the people were complaining. They were burdened down and they were weighing down. And it said Moses and Aaron went away from the assembly of the people. Meaning they, they got away from all the people complaining. 
See, sometimes you have to get away from the world. Get away from the world speaking. Get away from the, the world which on the news. Get away from everything that's happening in the news. And what it said, it said he went, they went away and they went to the door of the temple and they bowed their heads and it said the glory of God appeared. Not only that, but it glory, then it spoke with him and told them what they needed to do. See, it, it, it was prayer. It was Moses making a determination. You know what? I'm going to get away from everything that's going on and I'm going to come to the house of God. I'm going to come to the secret place and I'm going to hear. Thank you, Father. One more scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Powerful prayer is birthed out of personal relationship. What I've seen in scripture goes beyond rituals and a set of rules. But it is a place for all of us. It is a place and a position that God's given every single one of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Man. Matthew chapter 6. Man. Rick, prayer is inviting God right in the middle of your situation. Amen. And let's talk, in a, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. God wants to talk with you. God wants to talk with you. Some, some of you, that could be a foreign concept. You're like, well, I'm not good enough for God to talk to me. He wants to talk to you. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He's already given you a place. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to talk to you about, about your marriage. He wants to talk to you about the things you're going through. He wants to talk to you about maybe the reasons that, that, that you can't fully trust him. He wants you to be real with him. He wants you to talk to him. But you know what? Most people, ministers, have never given you the right to do that. They've said, well, you've got to do it this way. You've got to go in and you've got to pray in the spirit for so many hours. You've got to go in and do this. You've got to go into it. And there's points and seasons and there's different things and that we'll get into those things, the power of those. But if you don't understand the foundation, then all those other things are just works. You've got to think everything is going to be birthed out of the relationship with him and the desire that he wants to have a conversation with you. So what? So you can see change in the earth, change in your life, see purpose in your life, see direction in your life. Remember I said, whenever you're, whenever, whenever you're hurting, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you need comfort in your life. And I said, go to, the, go to the secret place. But this isn't a place where you just go and hang out. It's a place where you have a conversation. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. It says, and when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. So he's saying, don't be like the religious people who are praying just to be seen or praying just to be heard because they have the reward. Meaning, meaning no earthly change will come because their, their reward was just being seen. I mean, nothing's going to change in the world. Why? Because their whole intent of praying wasn't to communicate with God. It was communicating to be seen by men. But thou, 
But you, when you pray, enter into the closet. And when you shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which sees in secret shall reward thee in the open. Now there's a place for corporate prayer. There's a place at praying together as a church body. Jesus is dealing with the heart attitude of the Pharisees here on how they give, how they pray, and how they fast. And we're going to talk about the things you do corporately and the things that happen in a church setting. But what you understand here, he says, go into your closet. This is the heart. Meaning I'm dealing, Jesus is dealing with the heart of, of, of a believer, the heart of the Pharisees. Go into your closet. Now, I looked up this word closet. You know what the, clo- the word closet here is? It's the word called a dispensary. So when he says, go into your closet, he's saying, go to the place where the things you need are dispensed. When you go into your closet, go to the place where your answers are. When, when you pray, don't be, do it to seem, be seen by men. Do it in the closet because that's where your answers are. And it says, what do you do? You're praying to the Father. Praying to the Father which is in secret. And the Father which sees in secret shall reward you in the open. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Enter into your closet. Hallelujah. Your prayer in private will bring about powerful manifestations in public. Because the private isn't about all the words you're speaking. It's about the relationship. Prayer is about your relationship with God. It's not about the word, all the words coming out of your mouth. We need to have relationships. You need to have a personal relationship with God. I believe in this series, God is calling you to a deeper relationship with him. And he wants to start having conversations with you. He wants to start, he wants you going to that place where things are dispensed. You're like, okay, well, I need my, okay, I guess I need a prayer closet at home. No, see that you're still getting into a religious work. Now, I, I love the movie War Room. I, I think having a place in your house to pray is a great thing, but don't turn the closet into having some sort of, because the thing is, is what if you need to be in your car? What if you're, the only place you can get in your secret place is if you're in your, your closet at home? No, this is a living, your relationship with God needs to be a living, breathing, breathing organism. It's something that's constantly growing. It's something that's constantly moving. It's something that's constantly progressing because what if God wants to have a conversation with you when you're in Walmart? What if he wants to have a conversation? Okay, God, I'll be in my prayer closet later. And there, there is a point. I, I, love, like I, said, I love the movie War Room. I, I love that movie. But you have to understand, you can't make prayer a religious ritual. If not, it becomes, becomes a form, form of godliness, and you deny the power thereof. Because the power of prayer is birthed in relationship. Your faith is strengthened in relationship. Not with the fact that you know five steps to faith. It's based out of relationship. Everything that we learn with faith, the Holy Spirit, giving, everything is birthed out of our relationship with heaven. Amen. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your faithfulness to our lives. And I thank you for this call to come up higher. This call to this deeper relationship with you. This call to the secret place. Father, I just thank you for relationships 
growing in this house. Relationships growing with you. Father, I thank you that people's relationship was soared to another level because they understand this position of the secret place. And they understand this position of the secret place is all about prayer. And prayer is all about a conversation with you. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Man, if you, like Pastor Justin, I desire what you're talking about. I desire this closeness that you're talking about. I desire to have conversations with God. I desire to be able to hear his voice. See, everything starts first with a desire. And you're like, well, but how do I know if I'm hearing God's voice? Start with a desire for relationship. And I believe you will hear his voice. And as the Lord directs, I'll get into some of those things about his voice. But if you're like, Pastor Justin, I want, like you're saying, my relationship with God to soar to another level. I want my relationship, and I, I, I want to understand more about this conversations with God. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Just stand, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You want to just that, this deeper relationship, this, this, this walk with God where you can have the comfort and the desire to know his voice, know his hand. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the hearts of those here that just desire a greater relationship with you. I thank you, Father, that just as I've seen in my own life, that through this relationship, my life has become stronger. Yeah, you want to take us from glory to glory. But that growth is all out of just that relationship. Even as Jesus said to his mom and daddy, he said, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house about my father's business? Oh, Father, birth within us a hunger to be in your house, be in the secret place. Live a life of prayer. Now, our goal, Father, is not to have a head that's so high in the clouds that we can't relate to our brother or sister or our friends. Our, our desire is to have a real, authentic, genuine relationship with you because we know you desire that relationship with us let's repeat this after me Father God I thank you that you've given me access to the secret place Father God I desire to grow in this life of prayer in this life of communion with you not talking to you but communion with you that you and I will go to work and see things changed see lives changed see growth in our personal lives thank you Father for birthing within me this life of prayer. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
to receive that. Give him a sort of word.